Hello and welcome to Blizzard Watch. It's Halloween. I don't have anything else. There's nothing else spooky going on here. It's snowing. It feels like Christmas. It's actually kind of weird. Hi, you guys. We're talking about Blizzard and its games. It's not a special Halloween edition because we don't really have anything special Halloween to talk about. But we do have a Revenant come back from the, the past itself to haunt us. Uh, he's with us right now. Alex Zebart. Hi, Alex. Hi, it's me, the angry guy that nobody likes. <laughs> wow. Do you, like, walk up to people with that? Like, do you have a card printed? Yeah, it's on my business card. It actually says that. Oh, man. What have you been up to, Alex? Uh, since the last time I was on, that was a long time ago. Just in general. Uh, you don't have to give me a rundown of your entire life. <laughs> I mean, I could if you really want to. Uh, I've been doing, you know, a lot of writing. Destiny 2 came out. Uh, I was playing Destiny 2. Surprising lack of content in that game, I find. So I'm pretty much done playing Destiny 2 already. You know, wow, here's the storm, the usual thing that I always do. Okay. Uh, also with us this week, as she is pretty much every week, even when I can't make it, she's just always there. I, I'm i not entirely sure she even needs to be physically located near a computer to do these podcasts. Perhaps she simply talks to the computers. I can't say. Uh, Anne Stickney. Anne, what did you end up to this week? It's paranormal. I'm a specter. I just sort of linger. <laughs> I don't know. Alex, I like you. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, what have I been up to? Uh, not much on the World of Warcraft front, except that I've been gathering the Hollow's End stuff because I wanted both the new toys and I also wanted the new pet. Almost got the new pet. I have to go collect like a few more candy buckets and then I could go get the pet. And then I'm done with Hollow's End and I don't have to think about it anymore. But other than that, uh, most of my time has been wrapped up in working on BlizzCon stuff because, hi, that's this week. <laughs> yep. We're, we're just fair warning. That's pretty much the news, guys. There's, there's a couple other things, but... There's a few yeah. other things, but most of it is related to BlizzCon. So, all right. Um, we should probably get right to starting to talk about that then. Uh, first up, this announcement I basically, I'm going to talk about news-wise because I'm the guy here who talks about it. Diablo 3's Season 12 is starting on the 9th of November. That's next week. Um, as a result... They're doing all sorts of weird stuff. They're doing a double treasure goblin thing from the 6th to the 9th, I believe, yep. which is that's during the week. That's not a weekend thing. Usually they do these things on weekend, but no, this is smack dab in the middle of the week. It's like Probably Wednesday to Friday. Probably because they didn't want to butt up on BlizzCon or anything. Oh, yeah, I understand it, but it's strange. Uh, I, I, the other thing, reason it's strange is because they're doing it in such a way that you won't get it when you start the season. Your season character won't get it, and that's just odd to me. Like, why not let season characters get a double treasure goblin? It's not like the treasure goblins are that common. It's not I, like it's not going to break the game, but they didn't. I did so. see a comment on the site that had a pretty good argument that there are people who treat new seasons as like a competitive thing. So if some people got to start the season with double tre treasure goblins and some people couldn't play the season until later and they didn't get the double treasure goblins, like the competitive field would be warped. It wouldn't but, be fair. It's a strange concept to me that season yeah, is competitive. I, I, when I do the season, I just do it. I don't compete with anyone. I'm just doing it to have fun. And it, it is fun for me. Um, this season, this, this season 12, has some pretty good rewards. Um, some of them are just cosmetic. But there's one thing in particular I wanted to point out. If you're a Diablo lore nut, which nobody is but me and maybe three other people. So you three, you three people, you're about to be real excited. Uh, among the cosmetic rewards are the Wings of Fiacla Giar. If you remember, Fiacla Giar is the, the Nephilim who was called Bulkathos' brother. 
They didn't actually ever specify if he was Bulkathos's actual brother or not, but he's the one that started the Druids. So this is a callback to the Druids from Diablo 2. And if Blizzard hadn't gone out of their way to say they weren't doing anything Diablo at this convention, I'd be like totally like losing my mind right now about how they're going to do a Druid pack because that would make sense. Like you don't do a Fiacla Gear callback like this if you weren't going to do that, but obviously they're not. Can you say that word again? I can't say it in a way that will make sense. Like Fiacla Gear is how I pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's Couldn't great. I just wanted to hear you say it again. Fiacla Gear. It could be Fiacla Gear. I, I don't know. I I am not I'm not even like a actual Gaelic I just like how guy. you could just you just get over it without stumbling. Like you just jumped right in and boom, there it was. Well, yeah, I can't I, I, do that with most of the Diablo stuff. Yeah, I've been making like snap decisions on pronunciations my whole life. It's like I know this is wrong, but whatever. I I don't know how this word's pronounced. My wife and I do that a lot with like uh, temerity and truculence. Like, is it truculence? Is it truculence? We've never known. I always say truculence. We've never heard it spoken by anyone. Like, we just read it. So yeah. But same thing with Fiacla Gear. I've never heard anyone say that. I mean, you think they probably did in Diablo three, but I don't. I mean, Diablo two, but I don't remember. Anyway, those are in uh, their various sets rewards. You're going to get again the, the basic season stuff that they do every year. Um, but I'm I'm really looking forward to it because I had a great time in season eleven. I think it was the most fun I've had in Diablo. I got I got up to close to like 500 Paragon levels. I had a blast. So I'm really looking forward to season 12. I'm, I'm probably going to play a barbarian again because have you met me? That's what I do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's totally exciting to me. Uh, is there anybody else? Yeah. That's why we have other stuff to talk about, like overwatch. Uh, did either of you guys get to see, uh, Jeff Kaplan talk about the toxicity and, and esports stuff? With, no, with most of what I was watching, uh, I watched the last developer update where he was talking about the esports improvements. Um, but, if we're going to talk about seasons, we should probably mention that season seven for Overwatch uh, competitive play that starts today. Yeah, maybe we should mention that because and you just it's did, Halloween. So cool. um, as, as far as the Overwatch developer update that I watched, he was Kaplan was talking about um, esports improvements. As far as it's not stuff to improve things from the user end, it's stuff to improve things from the esports end, which lets them do better presentations so that us as viewers can better see and track what's going on. So in it benefits us, but the tools aren't for us. They're for the people that are putting together these eSport tournaments and things like that. Um, some of the stuff that we're actually going to see, we're going to see at BlizzCon at the Overwatch World Cup, which I'm really excited about. Uh, they're introducing this thing called Team Palettes, where each team has... They've got colors assigned to them, and there's like a home team uniform and an away team uniform. Um, and it's not just the players that are playing that have these team colors. It's also all of the spell effects and stuff in game are going to reflect the team colors. So you'll actually be able to tell which Mercy that is and who whose team they are on. <laughs> when they are doing their thing on the field. And they've also got uh, some new improvements to the Observer, uh, the third third-person camera that the observers use to get around the map. The other thing that they've got for the observers and the broadcasters is they've got this actual... They've got a two-dimensional... It's a map of the entire field with dots that track everybody, so they can see what everybody is doing at any given moment and blip over to them kind of effortlessly. So I'm really actually... I wasn't... 
I wasn't super jazzed about watching the Overwatch World Cup. I mean, I'm going to tune into it because I like watching these things. But now I really kind of want to see it because I want to see how these improvements are actually, like, what they're going to look like in action. Um, as far as the Mercy stuff, I didn't really get a good look at that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, from what I... Oh, go ahead, Alex. Sorry. Those esports changes, I think, are going to be essential if they actually want Overwatch esports to be a thing, and they clearly do at the Overwatch League. Yeah. Uh, with none of those improvements, it's incredibly hard to watch competitive Overwatch because it's just a mess of stuff happening. It's a cluster. It's just and, it's hard did to you track guys see, who's doing there what. Was a, did you guys see that thing in Forbes about how Paladins of all games is better to watch as an eSport than Overwatch, even though, you know, Overwatch obviously crushed it when it came out? Paladins? Just because, yeah, there was a thing. It was basically, it has more. It had more tools for people to watch it. It was easier to watch Paladin games than it was to watch Overwatch. Uh, I thought that was fascinating. Uh, it's one of those situations you don't really think about in terms of competitive eSports is, like, how easy or hard is it to watch um, one of the reasons StarCraft became so big was that it was relatively easy for people to watch it. Weird. It wasn't terribly hard to record. Okay, yeah. Alex, you were going to say? I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I haven't played Paladins, but I'm not surprised that another game made it easier than Blizzard, because I think Blizzard's recent game releases, even though they're like they're super jazzed and doing esports, their observer tools have not been very good in any game, really. Um, like Heroes of the Storm, it kind of takes some trickery for for like esports tournaments, and you can't you know uh, join in and observe somebody's game. Uh, Hearthstone to this day doesn't have observer tools. You just have to like observe a game as a friend on their friends list, and they do a thing where in esports you can see both what both people are holding in their hands. It requires like editing the stream so you see the other like, the other player's hand is like flipped upside down on the stream as opposed to something that was built into the client. Yeah. So Blizzard has, they're all about their esports, but they don't build the tools for esports until after the fact. So I'm really not shocked that a similar game from another developer had better observer tools out of the gate. Yeah, well, it, did, it didn't seem to be a surprise. Just that's something I remember reading and thinking, oh, that's interesting. I think as far as like Hearthstone goes anyway I would think that if you could observe a match and observe both sides at the same time like on any game you there's like the potential for cheating there because you could tell people oh yeah this is what's in their hand or whatever if it's in a tournament mode then you are giving people permission to do that uh -huh. yeah I guess yeah if it was right. at a tournament you'd be giving yeah okay I could see that I do know go, that I, I like tournament watching rules, this person's observer so forth I like watching Heroes of the Storm. I think that the Heroes of the Storm streams and things that they do with the tournaments and things, they're a little bit easier to follow. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's difficult in terms of telling who is on which team, and I have to, like, glance up. But it's usually identifiable. Like, it's on the screen there. It tells you who's got what hero on which team, and it's, like, readily, you know, available information there. But as far as Overwatch is concerned, man... I, I can't follow it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's really hard to follow. It's impossible. So that's why I'm interested in seeing whether or not these improvements that they've put in place actually make it easier to follow. Because there are some days where I'll sit down to watch like an Overwatch tournament and I'll tune in and it's like watching it's like watch, watching a football game where everybody decided to show up in street clothes and nobody has any identifying information whatsoever. So you don't know yeah. what team they're on. <laughs> And you don't you have no idea there's no way to track anything that's going on on the field. 
And, and the play never ends. You can't be like, oh, okay, that guy's on that side of the line, and that no. guy's on that side of the line. No. We have this convenient reset, so I know, no, Overwatch doesn't have that. It just goes. It just keeps going until until it ends, and then it's like, oh, okay, I guess that's who was on that team. It's a lot to track. So I'm glad that they're putting these tools in place, you know, so that they make it easier to track. I don't know. I'm going to watch the Overwatch World Cup at BlizzCon because I want to see I want to see if they made it any better. Cuz it sounds like they are working on, like actively working on making it better. And the stuff that they're introducing now is like just the beginning of what they're going to do. Alex, I know you mentioned the the toxicity thing that Kaplan was talking about. I think it was me. Yeah. Well, I wrote the post that's what I was saying. Uh, recently, yeah. I mean, Kaplan didn't say a lot about it. It was kind of a, uh, a this is the Overwatch team's priorities. We won't tell you details because we can't. It's They were working on uh, competitive matchmaking, toxicity, and more mercy changes. And in pretty much all those categories, like, we're doing stuff, uh, but that's all we can tell you about that. Like, I kind of like how they phrased the post it. was we can't tell you. Yeah, I kind of like how they phrased it though with the mercy rework where they said we don't really want to like give you all the details on what we're working on because when we do that you start to theory craft and we don't want you to base your feedback on theory crafting. We want you to base your feedback on performance in game. So we just push those changes to the PTR so that you can play them and give us feedback based on how they interact in play. Which makes sense. Like, that totally makes sense. And then, from what I gathered from the toxicity part of things, it was they didn't want to give out too much information about what they were doing, because if they did that, then the people that wanted to be jerks could find ways around it, in theory. Yeah, I don't know if I'd buy that, honestly. Because there are other games, like League of Legends. League of Legends, like, it has a reputation for being pretty salty, but apparently it's had a huge improvement in recent years, and they were pretty transparent about the changes they were making and how it was going to help, and it helped. And what didn't help was League saying, yeah, we're going to fix it, we're going to fix it, and then not saying anything else, and saying, we promise, we're going to fix it. That didn't fix it. What fixed it was them providing tools to combat toxicity, being transparent about the process of getting there, um... I don't have a lot of faith in Blizzard fixing the toxicity in their games based entirely on the report function. That's just not going to do it. It didn't do it for any other game, so it's not going to work for them either. They have to have other tools. I'm going to go up front. I'm going to just say this up front because I've thought this from the beginning. Uh, I don't know what kind of, like, I don't, like, in WoW, you know you have de- you have GMs who are watching to a certain degree. I don't know how how active a group of people they have on Overwatch doing that. I know they log everything. Like that's that's been established multiple times. They log everything. Uh, I think they might need to just straight up hire more people, and their job will probably need to be to go through everything and and find people up front. Like I, I'm going to just say it. Like some kind of moderation might be necessary. I, I don't know how else to do it. I don't know what else would work. It's almost all of these. I think every game developer is at least, if not always guilty of this, then initially guilty of this until they realize it. Um, these multiplayer games, you can't just get away with just having a report feature. Or some games don't even have a report feature. They just assume people will behave well. No, the people who don't behave well are going to ruin your game for everybody else, and the people who behave well are going to leave, and the people with bad behavior are going to stick around and have their game full of people behaving badly. And just having a report function 
doesn't get the job done. The report function may have worked like years and years and years ago. It doesn't really work anymore. <laughs> you kind of have to have something else in play alongside it or working hand in hand with it. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to have it, you need to have somebody actively reviewing it. And you need somebody that's not a developer because I know that was one of the other things that they had mentioned, not in this, but like in previous in a previous post where they were talking about it, they had mentioned that they've had to put so much effort towards essentially babysitting players and babysitting to make sure that everybody is being nice to each other that it's taken away from development time which is ridiculous and yeah I kind of agree with you Rossi I think I think that if it gets to a point where it's that bad where it's taking away from development time maybe you need to hire some people to do nothing but that babysitting and making sure that people are behaving you know, yeah, you it's, report it's that not kind attractive. Of thing. Yeah, it's not an attractive thing to have to do, but it might be something. It's not a to. fun job. <laughs> I mean, that there's nothing fun about that. There's nothing. There is nothing fun about watching people be horrible to each other day and in if and day out. I feel like if it's taking time away from game development now, it means they didn't take it the possibility into consideration earlier in development when they yeah. were making the game. They didn't think, oh, this community of video game players notorious for being jerks to each other they're not going to do that in our game we don't need to make any plans for that we don't need to develop moderation tools and reporting tools better than clicking a button uh, if well, they have I to do that like, now they I didn't do it before i feel like when they introduced overwatch they introduced it as this game that was it had a very kind of positive and optimistic outlook and i think that they were hoping that their audience would absorb that and reflect that and it's a nice thing to hope, but it's not necessarily going to happen. I have heard that it's gotten better. Like people, I have heard from various people that it's gotten better. And then I've heard from other people that it's like, well, it's gotten better, but it depends on what time of day you're actually playing the game. So I don't know. It's mixed reports. That's just, my experience. I, Heroes of the Storm. Yeah. Uh, I off. I usually play it very early morning and weekdays. And generally people are really well behaved at that time of day. If I decided to play it on the weekend, I instantly regret it. People are monsters. Yeah. I used to, whenever I would run dungeons in, in WoW, I would run them in the middle of the night, like 2 to 5 a.m. Because that was, first off, because I got quiet groups, which I like. I like quiet groups. I like groups that don't talk a lot. I also, the groups tended to be like like Australian Oceanic players who tended to be nice to me. And, you know, the ones that weren't Australian Oceanic players tended to be like, you know, hey, we're all here in the middle of the night. None of us have slept and we're all kind of zogged out. Let's run this dungeon and try not to be jerks. Like that seemed to be the general mise-en-scene of the it's sort of dungeon like, at that time. It's sort of like how my favorite time to go to Walmart is at like 2 a.m. when nobody is there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because the few people that you run into, they're like, yeah, I'm chilling in Walmart at 2 a.m. Hi. And or you know stock boys who don't really care and they're not going to interrupt you and ask you if you need anything they just assume that you know why you're there. It's very yeah, peaceful and, and serene at that time of day. <laughs> and Slowpoke in the chat pretty much uh, hit the nail on the head. Is they they made a competitive shooter. It's yeah. a 100% PvP competitive stressful kind of game. And if they didn't expect people were going to get uh, behave poorly in a competitive pvp shooter that's just naive i think yeah a little bit but it's a kind of optimistic naivety that i'm okay with 
it's the kind of optimistic naivety that gets people hurt, I think. Yeah. Like what you see, you know, these the you know the the videos going around from the the, the female streamers who just get dumped on constantly, like Blizzard enabled that, I think. They and I don't think that they intended to enable that. I think that they were hoping that by introducing a game with this kind of a concept, it would negate that aspect of things. And okay, well, also, maybe it was an experiment that didn't work. I, I, I'm going to say this. I don't necessarily think it was naivete about their concept so much as Blizzard tends to really underestimate how popular games they make will be. Like, to a certain degree, yeah. I don't think anyone expected Overwatch to become the behemoth it became as quickly as it did. Like, Team Fortress 2 has been out there for years, and no one expected Overwatch to just come roaring in and basically supplant it, which it has done. Uh, I think and it's because over, nobody has... You mentioned Paladins, and Paladins, is I think, is the only game besides Overwatch that has tried to replicate what TF2 was. And how long ago did TF2 come out? Years ago now, I don't years remember. So long years ago. ago, yeah. And nobody else has really done it, at least not in a way that anybody noticed until Overwatch. So I think it was kind of natural that Overwatch became popular. TF2 was incredibly popular, and nobody had done else had done it yet. Honestly, then. the second that they released that cinematic at BlizzCon, I knew that it was going to be ridiculous because the crowd that was there watching that just went nuts. It was amazing. Yeah. Oh, Team Fortress 2 came out on October 10th, 2007. Ten years ago. Ten yeah. Years ago. And wow. keep in mind, it was a sequel to a game from 1996. Because <laughs> Valve, Valve don't rush nothing. Valve no. Blizzard, look like they, Blizzard looks like a bunch of, you know, monkeys on speed compared to Valve. Valve also doesn't game. make games anymore. No. Yeah. Well, why would they? Now they, they, they'll get you to pay them to let you put your game out on their platform. They don't, they don't need to make it. Yeah. But we should talk about BlizzCon because otherwise we could be talking about this all day and there are other things to talk about. BlizzCon yeah. at this point is like, it's Friday. You know, if, if you're listening to this being recorded live, it's Tuesday. If you're listening to it on the site, it's Wednesday. The convention is now, Friday. No, if you're listening to it on the site, it's Thursday, which means, hey, it's tomorrow. And there are a yeah. lot of people in Anaheim right now all getting ready for tomorrow. So, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on this weekend. Um and we will be covering all of it as usual um, on both Saturday and Sunday. It's going to basically, um, we, we, we know from Blizzard's own statements that we, we, we don't, there's not going to be anything Diablo 3 at the convention. They're just, there will, there will be stuff there, but it's not, no big news, no big announcements. They're not going to be re- introducing like, you know, Diablo 3's next expansion or anything like that. Uh, we, I think we're pretty sure that we're going to get a Hearthstone expansion announcement because they've been talking up that there's a third one coming in the year of the mammoth for this whole time. So I think we're on pretty solid ground. We're going to get a Hearthstone expansion. Um, World of Warcraft, they've not said the word expansion, but they've talked about what's coming next enough that, you know, we're all. It's going to be an expansion. Come on. I, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm hedging on my on this one because they're held back from saying the word enough that it's it's making my hackles go up. There's a World of Warcraft systems panel. And even if there is an expansion, if there's a systems panel, it means they are doing enough gameplay changes that they can talk about them for an hour. And the systems panel is historically where they go, crit, gone. Versatility, gone. Your World of Warcraft characters, gone. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's, I, I'm I'm not saying they won't do one. I'm just saying that they've really been cagey about actually saying the word expansion this year. But there will be something for World of Warcraft. Um, Overwatch almost certainly going to be announcements, probably just along the lines of this new character, this new map at most, but certainly something for Overwatch. Uh, I don't. I'm not expecting anything out of StarCraft. Just straight up. I'm I don't think we're going to hear much about StarCraft at all. I think Heroes of the Storm, we're probably going to get a new hero. The, yeah, almost the, certainly. We'll probably be StarCraft stuff, but it's not necessarily things the like, casual StarCraft player will care, will care about. Nothing major, uh, major. They might you know, talk some matchmaking competitive stuff, because they still do tuning on that. Yeah, and um, they, they and might... They might also talk StarCraft Remastered and any changes they're making for that. Because uh, that I did fairly well. That co-op allied commanders mode is still a thing, I think. Yeah, I, think no, I, least... I know that it is. Yeah, so they'll probably have something for that. that they did the really matchmaking cool. and friends changes, so they're, they're very much uh, aiming at keeping that game relevant. I want to say that, that this year they're doing... I seem to remember seeing a thing where there was going to be an event where people could meet up with like Blizzard people and the you remember was it last year or the year before they were talking about teaming up with the the AI thing? Yeah, so, I think it was it was the year before. I know they Yeah, they're about. doing some kind of programming event thing um prior to BlizzCon or outside of BlizzCon proper, but there are going to be Blizzard people there where they're going to be doing stuff with that. And I don't I mean, this is all beyond my comprehension because I don't do programming or anything like that, but it sounded cool. <laughs> it sounded like the sort of thing where I was like, I wish I knew more about this because this just sounds really weird and neat. So um, that is going on, but I don't, I don't think that they're going to announce anything like big and new for StarCraft. Yeah, so the games that we're probably going to get uh, at least reasonably large announcements are Hearthstone... World of Warcraft, probably Overwatch, probably Heroes of the Storm. That would be those would be the games I'm expecting to hear news from. Diablo three is definitely not getting any major news. There's going to be stuff there, including like you can play a unique adventure if you go there. It's basically like a little mini Diablo three game thing. You can go play just there and nowhere else. Uh, I have no idea what that is or if it's ever going to get released, but that's basically that. And they're going to have a Q and A panel. So if you want to ask some questions, like why aren't you doing a new expansion, that would be the the one to ask at. <laughs> That's basically it. They're not. There's not nothing major new at you know Blizz, BlizzCon for Diablo three, which isn't saying they're not going to do something along the lines because I think with the rise of the Necromancer pack being as successful as it was, that that's probably the model for future content for Diablo three. Something small, bite sized that they can sell. Because um, Alex I... has talked about this for a while about how Diablo three does not have. Yeah, the the DLC pattern, you know, like other games have things they can sell you. Um, Hearthstone Hearthstone makes most of its money from getting you to buy packs and so forth, buy expansions. Um, Overwatch, quite frankly, Overwatch makes tons of money off that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, it's one of those situations where if that's the future for Diablo three, it will probably be around for a while. But it, we really need to see more to know one way or the other. I, I would be concerned about Diablo 3's DLC chances if every single one of their DLC packs takes, what was it, the Necromancer? Is like eight months between announcement and release? Yeah, that would be a problem. <laughs> um, Diablo, you're not going to do so well if you release one DLC pack once a year or once every two years. That's not how it works. Yeah, definitely. Don't get me wrong. It's a ridiculously fun game. I just wish that they would release some new stuff, like some big new stuff. 
it definitely either they need to get onto a new game in the franchise or they need to get onto developing content for it because otherwise yeah it's as much fun as i i love diablo 3 i love playing it it is fairly moribund as it stands right now the other thing to note too is that obviously they're going to have the q a panels there's going to be a world of warcraft q a and if you're not at blizzcon you can actually submit questions. They they opened a forum thread, and you'll be able to um, post to that forum thread on Friday, November 3rd, starting at 1.30 Pacific, and you can post whatever questions you might have. They'll pick the best ones. The other cool part about this, though, there's, there's, <laughs> there's another side to this. If you're attending BlizzCon and you want to ask a question at the Q&A panel, you need to submit your question at the Dark Moon Fair community area on the second level of the North Hall on Friday um, in the Warcraft mailbox. And they said that they'll have everything on hand that you'll need to compose your question for developers to answer. And then it said, and this was in the interesting part, if your question is selected, you'll be given the opportunity to ask it live during the Q&A, which tells me that they're going to select questions before the panel even starts and make sure that the line of people that are there all get to ask a question. So there's not going to be that mile-long line of people where like the last two-thirds of it are unhappy because they don't get to ask anything. Correct um, me if I'm wrong, but didn't they do something like that last year with the WoW Q&A? Because Panzer hosted it, right? I'm not sure because I wasn't covering that. I was covering a different event at the same time. <laughs> I might be misremembering, but I'm pretty sure Panzer hosted the Q&A and she, she just had all of the questions on postcards as did opposed she? to... I think so. Okay, so they're doing the same thing then again this year. I didn't catch the actual Q&A panel because, like I said, I was covering a different piece of content at the time. Um, I just went back and saw the questions and answers and went through those and looked for anything that was really interesting and or relevant to me, but I didn't actually watch the panel itself. That's kind of cool. How how smoothly did it run last year? Um, I thought it went really well because there's none of those situations where, like I would do, getting to the microphone and stuttering and not forgetting your question. That didn't happen because they were written down. Uh, they avoided the situation where the panelists couldn't hear the person asking the questions because yeah. the person asking the questions was on stage with them. It went pretty smoothly. I think it, it loses the experience. I think people who go to those Q&As enjoy getting in line and having the opportunity to ask their question like that's a cool part of going to a convention um, but okay realistically i did not enjoy the line <laughs> some people enjoy the line i did not and enjoy some, the line some people are shockingly skilled at the line such as the young lady who asked about tychus at three or four different panels three or four years ago um but i think it, it went much more smoothly than the whole line situation i kind of like that so yeah, if you're going to be attending, that's where you need to go to submit your question. If you're not going to be attending, look out for that forum thread and ask your question there. And if they like it, they'll pick it and then they'll answer it, which is great. The new Correct. format means there will be the the birth of red shirt guys is over. There there will be no more of those. Well, I'll bet he'll be there anyway. He's always yeah, there. Yeah, but there will be no <laughs> new ones because oh, yeah. there's no opportunity to ask questions. There's no, no new means. You can't take them by surprise this time. <laughs> yeah. That's unfortunate because, well, then again, that was always more fun when Metson was there anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I am a little sad about that. 
Yeah. All right, we should probably do some emails because the show is at that point. Um, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with podcast or blizzardwatch in the subject line so we know it's for the show. As is usual, Anne's going to be reading them for us, so if you don't mind, Anne. Okay, first email is from Shad, who's a blood elf paladin from Hyjal, who says, Do you all foresee or have you heard any rumors about a catch-up mechanic at the end of the Legion expansion, similar to the one we saw at the end of Warlords? Also, if you could win a million dollars, or the Canadian equivalent, Rossi, with a correct prediction about the next expansion, what would you predict? Thanks. The Canadian equivalent is $1,250,000, roughly speaking. Okay. Rounding. Yeah. The Canadian dollar is worth 77 U.S. cents. I don't really care so. about that so much as answering Shad's question. I did answer his question. <laughs> no. What would you predict about the next expansion? That's what he was asking. Well, I'm going to answer the part about the catch-up mechanic. I have heard no rumors of it. Okay. I'm wondering what he means by the catch-up mechanic at the end of Warlords. Is he talking about like the gear tokens and things like that? I'm. We kind of have that in the, in this patch right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I feel like we have that catch-up mechanic. Is Argus? I don't do any raiding, and I feel like my characters are ludicrously powerful just from Argus gear. Yeah. You... Whatever alts I've taken through Argus, they're ridiculously powerful right now. I feel like it is safe to say that. Ar- that in fact, we've had two of those catch-up mechanics. The, the Broken Shore was one of them for like a for the middle of the expansion. And then Argus has given us one for the end. Because this is the final patch, guys. There's not going to be any more patches. Yeah, But I, I would guess Shad potentially means um, the Legion Invasion, where you could take a character from level 1 to max level with the best possible gear in about three hours. It, uh, took, it took a day and a half, but yeah. They, made, they fixed it and they made it take Dan Hatch. I, I started a level one warrior and leveled it to 100, and it's the warrior that I'm playing now. So I know how long it took. It took a day and a half. I had, I had so many characters that I took through those invasions. I honestly, right now, with the way that it's working, I mean, if I have a character that I want to level to 110, all I have to do is. I think I think the last alt that I leveled, I took them through like maybe one and a half zones or so, and the rest of it was doing the Broken Shore invasions, because um, those give you a tremendous amount of experience. And then once I hit 110, it was like, jump to the Broken Shore, get some gear from there, jump to Argus, get some gear from there. My, my alt that I leveled in like all of, I think, three days, four days, something like that, is totally decked out now and has an eye level somewhere over 900. I don't know where. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. And I don't play her that often. I, I don't play that alt very often at all because <laughs> it's just an alt. But the the sheer amount of little things that they've done and tweaks that they've made as far as like how you get artifact power, like how much artifact power you get, um, the changes that they've made to quest lines that were present like at the beginning of the expansion where you had to do like a certain series of events in order to make something unlocked da 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 and then they got rid of it near the end just to make it like more streamlined for any alts that you happen to be playing I feel like we're playing in the catch up mechanic right now I don't artifact know about you power, guys yeah artifact power is almost silly it is this. it's gotten ridiculous <laughs> Not only like the sheer amount of it you need on a character you've been playing all along, but when you take a brand new alt to 110, the first AP item you loot and use fills in all of your traits. Every single one. Well, yeah, because your artifact power starts at 40 now. Yeah. Right. So then it's like, it's just, it feels weird. It's, oh, 
immediately 110. Oh, I finished my artifact, except for this one repetitive thing I need to sink point after point after point. After and point I don't after. know if it feels weird or if it's just like it's kind of a relief that you don't have to grind all of that once you hit 110 anymore because I'm only leveling characters if I'm leveling an alt right now. And new people coming in have the opportunity to catch up to everybody else where everybody else is at almost immediately, which is also kind of nice because if there's people returning that that didn't play at the beginning of the expansion or whatever, they can catch up with everybody else like right yeah, now. For sure, like I don't think they should revert it. I don't I don't want to grind every single one of those traits individually. It's just an odd experience that instead of them just being filled in automatically, as soon as you hit 110, you use one item and you have to click every single thing over and over. It's just an odd use case. That when you when you put yourself there's not going to be many of these people, but if you put yourself in the shoes of somebody who has not been at 110 before they hit 110 and all of a sudden they use one item and all of these things happen it's like is that supposed to be how it works but there's probably not very many people hitting 110 for the first time right now probably not probably not not a ton but those that are they're getting caught up with everybody real quick which is as for a relief as for a correct prediction about the next expansion um i i am not good at this like pull something out of your head rossi I'm just when Warlords came out, I predicted not Warlords. Like nothing that happened in Warlords was anything I thought was going to happen. I'm going to predict that you know they're going to basically have a new mechanic that's something similar to things people have wanted, but not quite right. So that we'll all be kind of like vaguely irritated with it when it finally comes out. Think think something along the lines of the way the garrison wasn't player housing, but it kind of looked like it if we squinted. It'll be something like that. What about you, Alex? Um, I don't care about predictions. I'm just going to have my wish list. I want a Kultura slash South Seas expansion where I get my own ship with lots of other ships in my service and I can be a pirate king and slash or queen. Okay. That's, That's what I want. Whether Blizzard's doing that, I don't know. It's not a prediction. It's just what I want. Do you want a prediction for me? Yes. Yes. All right. I'm going to go with a very broad kind of prediction here, um, and it's story-related. I think that given the beats of story that we have been presented with so far, if we look at each expansion as the beat of a story, I think we aren't going to hit an expansion with a major old gods, big bad, world-ending whatever. I think we're about to hit an interim between like Warlords was an interim between, where you had like big major stuff in Mists of Pandaria, big major stuff in Legion, and then in between we had Warlords, which was kind of like the bridge between the two. I think we're about to enter into another bridge. I don't know what that bridge is going to be, but I feel like it's going to be presented better than Warlords ever was, because they appear to have learned their lesson from warlords and how with legion i mean legion has hands down been one of the best expansions that they put out period i don't know in my opinion (laughs) okay so i think that whatever we're going to see i don't think that we're going to expect it i think it's going to logically make sense and i think that it's not going to be so much about world ending stuff as maybe tying up ends in preparation for the next world ending stuff and i'll sit there with that with no other detail 
because I don't know any details. <laughs> as long as I get to be pirate king and slash or queen, I'm good with it. I feel like Cool Tiris would logically be one of those loose ends that they would pull into it because that's a loose end that's been dangling there for a while. Maybe Zandalar because that's another loose end that's been dangling there for a while. Like just these little bits and pieces. I feel like we're going to see those tied together into something cohesive leading into whatever comes after this, some giant world ending thing. Maybe old gods. Don't know. We'll find out. Anyway, next email is from Sivis of Sargeras, who says, Greetings, watchers. What do you think would be the most anticlimactic reveal for Elune's true nature? <laughs> I think right. it would be disappointing if she were just another titan. Sivis of Sargeras. Any reveal would be too anticlimactic at this point. Agreed. Elune is never, written. Never <laughs> No, at least then we'd be like, yo, that explains No, Elune is Cadgar. <laughs> That's how I knew that it would work, because I'm me all this time. Elune is Tyrande. I don't know. Um, I think that having Elune... Now, keep in mind that this is coming from someone who wrote a column way back when that said Elune is Anaru and had stuff to back it up. Um... I think that part of the fun of Elune and part of the appeal of Elune is the mystery of Elune. And I don't really think that they need to reveal exactly what she is, if she's even a she or just like a concept. I don't know. I think it's better leaving it a mystery. And this is coming from somebody who has spent a lot of time trying to predict what the heck Elune actually is. The very fact that a titan would seem anticlimactic to some people. A titan. That's like, as you know, we, we've gotten to a point in the game where titans are just showing up. And there's pros and cons to that. I think a lot of it's really cool, but at the same time, it does, like, titans and Sargeras are now something we can actually grapple with. We can actually think about fighting directly. So I do feel like, to a certain degree, Elune's true nature is going to be anticlimactic no matter what they reveal it to be. Just because then now we know what it is and now it's something we can grapple with. I just yeah. don't really want them to homogenize the the powers in this world. If, you know, Elune has always been something separate from what we knew about the Titans and the Naru and, you know, what the Night Elves wielded, the magic from Elune was always represented very differently from the light. So if they go and say, actually, Elune is a Naru slash Titan and the Night Elves are wielding the light, like that, what made the Night Elves and Elune and their whole society unique gets destroyed to homogenize these things for no reason. Let Elune be something different, something mysterious, something that doesn't necessarily have an explanation. Or if there is an explanation, she's something. Elune is unique. She's a unique creature or a different kind of creature than the Titans or the Naru or whatever. Let her be something different. Okay. I kind of feel the same way. I, I feel like it's something where. Like I said, I don't I don't think that they need to reveal it. I don't think that it's no. something that they need to reveal. Okay. Um, moving on, next email is from Shadewind, who says, Last week, the Watchers 3 mentioned new classes, and I had some thoughts. Unfortunately, and I'm sorry, Miss Stickney, okay, I have no idea how to better do a bard than what discipline priests already do right now, beyond carrying a tiny Naru and bashing it like Rikish did Oros. <laughs> Okay, but Mr. Rossi mentioned wanting a Tinker class for WoW, and I realized that a number of potentially iconic Tinker class abilities exist already exist in Blizzard's other title, Overwatch, and that some have their own reality in WoW. So what 
what if we're taking cues from Mercy flying around behind a character on a string, plant, planting sentry tur turrets like Torbjorn and or Symmetra, or setting up grappling hook points like in Stormheim, rocketing around in a mecha like Reinhardt or Diva, or shielding like we did in Cathedral of Eternal Night and Halls of Valor with the Aegis of Agrimar? What would be some of your ideas for a potential Tinker class, and what do you think could make it an iconic addition? Thanks for the show, Shadewind. I am positive that was Mitch, because I do not want a Tinker class. <laughs> I was going to be up front with that. No, you weren't here. Um, I think it was, yeah, I think it was Mitch, Mitch mentioning Tinkers. A I mean, lot. The problem with the Tinker class is a lot of what they do is in the engineering profession. Uh, the, the Tinkers from Warcraft 3, bombs and, and turrets and robots, and the engineering profession does that. And I feel like to make the tink, a Tinker class satisfying, you would need to rip everything out of engineering. And when you have engineering... What do you do with engineering? I think we've already seen them do this to a profession in World of Warcraft like recently, uh, and it was a real problem. Like they first off, they did it to a class. They they made uh, demon hunters, and the demon hunters basically pulled a ton of stuff out of warlocks. Then they did it to inscription. They gutted inscription. Rest inscription in peace, is, inscription. So I think at this point, to do a tinker, you basically would have to either do as Alex said, or avoid completely doing what Alex said, which means, what does the Tinker even do? Like, is the Tinker now basically, like, do they have, like, I could, I can sit here and I could speculate, like, I could come up with a tank spec, which is big giant robot, like, like uh, Megatork was wearing in the, in the uh, Legion cinematic, uh, that could be the tank version, the uh, DPS version could be like a sniper and, you know, uses bombs and so forth. Uh, you could even have it have all three. It could be a healer version, too. They, like, you know, shoot you with healing darts. Basically, they're, they're Ana from Overwatch. There's ways to do it, like, you know, healing grenades and healing darts, whatever. But I do feel like Tinker in general, if, you, if you're going to do it, you need to really commit to this concept. And you need to look at what the, the game has done with Tinkers before. Like, what did, what did the Warcraft games do with the Tinker? How do they make it work? Um, is it going to just be gnomes, gnomes and goblins? It, you know, we're going to have the demon hunter thing all over again where everyone's like, oh man, I want to play one, but I don't want to be an elf. Are you going to have it just be gnomes and goblins doing tinker stuff? Is it going to be too much like, like engineering? Like Alex said, I think those are all valid things to worry about. The only one that they don't really do is the mecha suit walking around in a shredder thing. That's something you can have a mount that, that does, but very few people have, there's no in combat class thing or, or profession ability that does that so that'd be the one thing you could really work on and that would think about unique. there's the druid gear problem that um if you're playing a bear tank and you're progressing through the game except for extreme situations where blizzard specifically adds like a new model for the bear tank you don't see your gear or your progression or anything so you add the tinker where all their tank form is they're riding a shredder are you going to get a new shredder every tier are you well how does armor work if you get new shoulder pads does your shredder get new shoulder pads and at that point why do you have a shredder wouldn't you rather see your gear i don't think it works weirdly enough um i know that you mentioned Shadewind. i know that you mentioned the mercy thing flying around behind a character on a string blah blah that's actually kind of the concept that i had for bards where and it's sort of like somewhere between mercy and zenyatta where you maybe aren't directly involved in battles and things like that. What you're doing is you're kind of engineering everybody else through buffs and debuffs. Um, and that's, I mean, 
way out there and I don't know how they would make that work. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> and when I say I want a bard class, that's me just kind of going, ha ha, make a bard. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to really... tell them what to do. I want them to do it. Yeah. You know, they're the designers, man. Yeah. Well, and I and I think that they could figure out a way to make it like a compelling style of gameplay where you're playing via buffs and debuffs and it's not it's not so much like in groups and in raids it's not so much playing your character as having your character play everybody else's characters through these buffs and debuffs that they're doing. Like they're kind of orchestrating every, they're like the puppet master or something. That would be that cool. Didn't... That didn't really work so well for old school paladin and shaman. No, though. it didn't. But I, I feel like, I feel like it's one of those things where if they revisited it, maybe they could make it a compelling thing. You know what I mean? Given yeah. everything that they've learned between Buffbot Paladin of Vanilla WoW and now, could they take that old concept, that Buffbot that everybody found really boring, and make that into something that was actually compelling to play? I think they could. I maybe. think they've learned and, enough. Uh, I'm watching chat. They're discussing the tinker, and they, they bring up some things that is maybe something worth talking about. Um, they mentioned that blood elves and draenei have some engineering background, and there are dwarves. So when you you know, class fantasy has been this big thing in Legion, and maybe it shouldn't be such a big thing, but I think it's something that's worth considering when creating these classes. Can you imagine a tinker class where the abilities a gnome is using? are the same as the abilities a Blood Elf is using. And they all fit cohesively. Is that Blood Elf going to be riding like a spider tank or whatever, or using whatever a gnome uses? Yeah, they both do engineering things, but the aesthetic and style are wildly different. Yeah. I mean, to a certain degree, it reminds me a little bit of what they did with shamans, where you have the different totems. totems. Yeah. But it'd be much more extreme, like... Let's let's use one example. Let's say they have a tank. Let's let's say for the sake of argument, they have a tank spec and a healing spec, but they don't have a pure DPS spec. They basically are a tank healer. Um, their tank spec is based around some kind of mech that they use. Do they have to ride it? Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Maybe there's like mech suits for like gnomes and goblins. But if you're a Draenei one, you have a robot that you direct, and it's like a hunter pet. I don't know. This is the problem with it. like we know that. The, uh, Where's the, the cohesiveness? Have, yeah, the Draenei have those big shield-wielding robots who are cool as heck. I love those things. I think they're awesome. and I'd love to see like you know a, a class get to use them. But does that make sense for everybody to have those? I mean, not every race has anything like that engineering-wise. The Blood Elves would have those kind of robots from the Sunwell, right? They had patrolling robots there. So yeah. those are basically Legion-based, though. Or would they have like the ones from the... Uh, Hall, not the Halls of Reflection. What was that? Uh, Magister's Terrace ones. I guess they'd have something like that. There's a lot to, you know, it, it really does feel like a class that doesn't, you'd have to work on how to make this cohesive. You'd have to work on how to make it hold together. Like, what are the commonalities that the Tinker has? I feel like the Tinker is, in a lot of ways, basically a weird combination of the Bard and the Hunter. Like, where you're basically doing weird buff stuff, but with machines. Yeah, kind of. I don't know. It's interesting to think about. If anyway. it would be anything like Gazlo and Heroes of the Storm, I would never play it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I think we have time for one last quick question here. So this one is from Uthos on Broadmoor US who says, Hi guys, thanks for reading my email last week. Quick follow-up. What's going to happen with all of these demons on Argus? If we aren't going to let them join the Alliance and Horde or the Army of the Light, will we just 
leave them there? Will we leave behind warlocks and demon hunters to play with them? Commit mass genocide? Subjugate them to a life of slavery to help rebuild the planet? I know it's possible there may be an answer to this or knowing Blizzard purposely left open-ended to come back to a mess in a future expansion, but I'm curious what you think will happen. Uthos. Um, everyone that can leave will, and many of them can. Like, they, they don't have to be on Argus. They will scatter. Like, you know, if, if we assume for a moment that the, you know, I, I know how this expansion ends. But if we're going to not tell you, since no spoilers and all that, if we assume that the Legion is not a going concern at the end of this expansion, that doesn't mean demons stop being a problem. It means that instead of a cohesive army led by a genocidal titan, you now have hundreds of demons who think they should be in charge thousands tens of thousands of them you know there's there's a kind of demon called a moarg that alex loves that we don't see anymore like we see a different version of them now i love those guys in burning crusade they were scary and awesome with the big drill hand yeah who knows how many of those guys are still out there they're not here we don't see them they could there could be entire planets full of them that's the thing argus is just one planet that the legion conquered over the years like, and if anything, it's the planet they didn't have to conquer because the population joined them willingly, except for like, you know, one tenth of it that left. Um, Argus is not the only world there are demons on. Even in Legion, we go to many other worlds and fight other demons through the invasion point things. So, yeah, even if the, the demons leave Argus as soon as we beat, you know, the Legion, let's assuming that we beat them in a way that the demons are still a problem. They just go into the nether and go anywhere they want. I think what like, you need to keep in mind here, too, is that demons did not come into existence with the Burning Legion. Demons were there before that. That was Sargeras's job, was like, you know, taking a hoover to the universe and collecting all these things and putting them in one spot. He, he built Mardum to imprison these things that he found. They were already there. So just because we do something to stop Sargeras and we, you know, dismantle the Burning Legion, it doesn't mean that there won't suddenly, you know, like there's not going to be any demons anymore anywhere. No, they're still going to be there. They're just going to scatter. And they're going to do what they did before Sargeras came around and brought them all together. They're going to chill on various planets and watch them slowly decay or whatever it is that demons like to do with their spare time. I don't know. They're still going to want to get souls because yep. many of them got sacrificed. That's a whole thing if you did the Warlock Green Fire thing. Demons love souls. Yeah. They think they're all, you know, the fell, they help to use them to create fell, which they love. Have, has there been any further explanation on Antorus and how it doesn't at all make sense that it's what enables demons to resurrect? There's a very specific you know, hint about what it is and what and it's, it's for. And it's spoilers, so we probably aren't yeah. going to talk about that because the raid's okay. not even open yet, but it's it's something that will um, be addressed. Illidan talked about my immortal demon soul, and I don't go through Antorus when I die. Well, for that matter, the reason Mardoom exists is because lots of demons resurrect without Antorus. That's 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 established. the The entire reason he built Mardum in the first place was because he, when he killed demons, they would just come back. That's in the lore. That's like that's in Chronicle. It's in this expansion. Yeah, there's Antorus isn't. It, what's weird about Antorus is it allows them to resurrect while they're killed on Argus, which they shouldn't be able to do. Okay. They should be dying when you kill them on Argus. They should just die because it's it's half in and half out of the Nether. You're effectively killing them in a fell rich place, which is effectively like killing them in the Nether. They should just be dying, and they're not. 
when you kill them, even when you kill demons on Argus, they even say they'll be back. Even uh, what's his name? Teralian. Tur- I'm calling Teralian. What's his name? Jeez. Even Teralian's like, oh, yeah, he'll be back after a brief stay on Antorus. Just the- from, from having done the questing, it seemed like they talked up Antorus in unreasonable amount as like the reason we can be demons. It's like, but that was not a factor before until suddenly it was. But okay. I, I like the uh, comment from the chat channel here. It just says, there must always be a burning crusade. But on that note, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up the emails and wrap up the show. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thanks very much, Anne. Uh, if you guys have emails for the show, please send them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with podcast or blizzardwatch in the subject line so we know they're for the show. Uh, this has been Blizzard Watch. Uh, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for listening. And have a happy Halloween uh, from all three of us. And uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. And actually, we'll see you Friday. Because we're, we're not Friday. Saturday? What day is it? We're doing Friday. It. Friday night. We'll be doing a Friday BlizzCon night. podcast, a special BlizzCon podcast on Friday night. And then we'll be here next Tuesday. So, yeah, you're going to get more of us than you ever thought possible. So, you know, be ready for that. Uh, Thank you guys very much for listening. Talk to you next week.